Playoff fever is in the air in the Pacific Northwest as the Seahawks still have a chance to claim the final wild card in the NFC, but they have to get it done against the Rams and get a little bit of help from the Detroit Lions this weekend. What matchups should we be watching in the rematch coming up at Lumen Field in the season finale? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking them both down on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Week 18 installment of Matchup Wednesday, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Belarus, Iowa, or Mexico, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We got a jam-packed Matchup Wednesday coming your way, a pivotal rematch coming up at Lumen Field between the Seahawks and the Rams. The Seahawks have to win to potentially get into the playoffs. They're going to need the Detroit Lions to come through after that game at Lambeau Field and beat the Packers in order to sneak in for that final wildcard spot. We're going to be taking a look at the matchups to watch for the Seahawks on offense and defense against their bitter divisional rivals. And we're going to be taking a look at potential playoff foes as well, heading towards the wildcard round. Now for your lead story here on our matchup Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Playoff fever is truly in the air in the Pacific Northwest. The Seahawks at 8-8. Eight and eight. They are still in the driver's seat to an extent to get a playoff spot. They have to take care of their own business against the Rams and then hope the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell can bite off some kneecaps at Lambeau Field and get the upset. If that happens, the Seahawks will be the final wild card in the NFC. And there's two potential opponents that they could play. The San Francisco 49ers, who's up for round three, and the Minnesota Vikings, who have been one of the biggest surprises in the NFL this year from a win-loss standpoint. And so I think because we finally have reached that point here, we've been saying for weeks, it's too early to talk potential playoff opponents. Well, we're in the final week of the season, and wild card games are going to be known after the slated games on Sunday. If the Seahawks just happen to get that final wild card spot, we're going to know who they are going to be playing. So I think it's fitting for us, Rob, to – Look at those two teams, the 49ers and the Vikings, two very good football teams, and maybe have a little bit of a spirited discussion here about what is the favorable matchup for the Seahawks if, indeed, they make the postseason. Well, I think the common sense tells you it's the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, just obviously the 49ers have already beaten Seattle twice. Um, you know, we we know them as well as you're going to know any opponent um, in that we just know their roster. They, they certainly uh, San Francisco is going to know Seattle's roster a, as well. Um, so it, it's it, that's a difficult matchup. Whereas the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, their record is very impressive. And obviously the combination of Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson is as, is as dominant as, as, as the NFL has ever seen. But Seattle had seen that previously, of course, with the Rams and what Cooper Cup was able to do a year ago. I still think that you have to go with Minnesota. Although I will say this, the, the 49ers, as good as they are, and they are good. But at the same time, they still have a rookie quarterback in Brock Purdy. And so I do think that if Seattle is able to get themselves in the playoffs, obviously that means they will have won two games in a row and possibly done it in impressive fashion. If they can duplicate what they did against the Jets, that would be the case, obviously. And so either way, whether it be 
round three with the 49ers, as you said, or the Minnesota Vikings, because again, I do think that there are some fraudulent factors with Minnesota. I think that Seattle suddenly is back in a, you know, very much a player in that, in that potential playoff matchup, regardless of where they would be in San Francisco or Minneapolis. Going off what you said from a statistical standpoint, even though the Vikings and the 49ers have the same record, I think that you look at the statistics and it paints a much different picture than what those records indicate. The 49ers are elite in almost every category. If you're watching on YouTube right now, we got a, a, a graphic up here. The 49ers are sixth in points scored. They're first in points allowed per game. They're 13th in passing offense, even with all the quarterback turnover they had. They're still a top 15 upper half of the league passing offense. They're eighth in rushing offense first in rushing defense, second in turnover margin. The only thing that is not good is their pass defense is actually 20 in the NFL, at least in terms of yardage. But the turnovers they create and their pass rush offsets that yardage. The Vikings, on the other hand, aside from having that vaunted fifth-ranked passing offense, they're eighth in points scored, so they can put points on the board, but they're 31st in the NFL in points allowed per game. This is one of the worst defenses in the league. They're 31st against the pass. Pretty much anybody can throw the football on this team. They're 20th against the run, so they're not that much better than the Seahawks are in that category. 12th in turnover margin. That's been one of the reasons they've been able to win so many one-score games. I believe they have eight wins that are one-score games. So they've had good fortune this year. So keeping those stats in mind, as you mentioned, the Vikings would seem like the more ideal opponent. But as you also mentioned, Brock Purdy, I know he already has beaten the Seattle Seahawks, but they had opportunities to take advantage of the rookie quarterback in that game that they did not take advantage of a few weeks ago. Quandre Diggs with that dropped interception, for example. And they really were able to hold him down in the second half. I still would think a game against a rookie quarterback in the playoffs would be better. I know Kirk Cousins is that of a great track record in the playoffs, but he has won a few playoff games in Minnesota. He is still, in my opinion, one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league. He and Justin Jefferson, the rest of that receiving core. I mean, Adam Thielen is still a very good player. They've got a number of weapons there. TJ Hawkinson, who killed the Seahawks when he was with the Lions, He's now with the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they've got all kinds of weapons in the passing game. And even though the rushing numbers aren't there, Dalvin Cook is still an elite talent too. So I look on paper with the talent the Vikings have on offense, it would be a much different game. I think Seattle and Minnesota would be a true shootout because Minnesota's defense is awful. That would be a back and forth track meet, whereas 49ers Seahawks have already seen it, that that is going to be a mashing each other in the face, physical, low-scoring affair most likely. I actually think that that third time against the 49ers, though, because of the quarterback discrepancy, I trust Kirk Cousins more than Brock Purdy in the postseason, and it's really hard to beat the same team three times. Seattle has had chances in both games against San Francisco, and they just simply didn't execute. If you go into the playoffs on a two-game winning streak and you've got your offense, particularly your running game, going much better than the last time you faced them, I think the Seahawks can go into Santa Clara and make that very interesting. So I actually might be leaning to the 49ers, even though all the stats and the film I've watched say Vikings. I think Minnesota is a tougher place to win at, too. Their crowd is insane in that dome. So there are a lot of different factors here that have to be considered for a road playoff game. I actually might be leaning towards the 49ers here, oddly enough, and I can't believe I'm saying that. 
Yeah, and, and I, I still would lean towards Minnesota, and frankly, I can't believe I'm saying that uh, just because their offense is so dynamic. I mean, yeah. it's it, it, that's what's one of the fun things about this is your, your two potential opponents couldn't be much more different from each other obviously the san francisco uh you know they're they're led by that dominant defense they've got a terrific offense as well i mean i, I certainly don't mean any disrespect to a group that has george kittle debo samuel christian mccaffrey you know and we all just you know we throw this or at least i did through this kind of shade on brock purdy and obviously the nfl did as well and making him the very last pick of last spring's draft but but at the same time, I mean, all the guys done his win so far and been very impressive yep. in doing so. You know, as you pointed out, you know, there was the Quandre Diggs drop. But other than that, I mean, this kid has been absolutely spectacular. And yet still, I would say that I think that the Minnesota Vikings would be the, the team that you'd want to fit that you want to face because exactly the reasons that you said it would be an offensive just shootout. And I, I just have a lot of faith in, in Geno Smith's ability in those types of games. I mean, he has just really been impressive with his ability. We talked about this in, in uh, this last week's game against the Jets of being safe, but also being aggressive. I think that Minnesota secondary is one that he could exploit. And I think that it'd be an awful fun matchup to watch. We put a poll up today on our Twitter account to see where fans stand on this. And this might've been the most lopsided poll that we have ever posted in terms of who the fans want for this game. The Vikings, they're in agreement with you, Rob, 86.2%. The 49ers, just 13.8%. And we're talking over 1,000 votes. So this was not a small sample size. Uh, the 12s would prefer, the majority of the 12s would prefer to go to Minnesota and face the Vikings, a team that does have a porous defense. Even though they're elite on offense, this is a team that's won a lot of close games. They've also got blown out badly a couple of times, including by the Packers last week. So again, you can see all those statistical numbers there, and you can see why fans would think that that's a better matchup. I just think that that quarterback thing in the playoffs, though, might be far more significant than regular season games. So that's kind of where I'm leaning at. And, and that familiarity with a division opponent can actually be helpful in the postseason, too, if your coaching staff is able to take advantage from a game planning perspective. So we'll see what happens. Right now, the chance to play in the Vikings are pretty slim because you would be counting on David Blau the third string, actually he's the fourth string quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, beating the San Francisco 49ers in week 18. That seems very far-fetched, though. This is the NFC West. We've seen crazier things happen over the years in divisional games in the NFC West. Coming up next, speaking of divisional games, there is a critical one coming up for the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday, a rematch with the Rams. It's been a rough year for the Rams with 11 losses, the most ever by a defending Super Bowl champion. But they're still going to be hungry to come into town and spoil things for the Seahawks. We're going to look at key matchups to watch when the Seahawks are on offense and the Rams are on defense. Coming up next here on Matchup Wednesday on Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, well, your dream can now come true. This game is definitely for you. You manage every strategic aspect of your team, playing through the season and leading your team to glory. You're responsible for everything from hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, all the ups and downs of an NFL season, all of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. You can play on the go as you want 
when you want to. I'm currently managing the Honolulu Sharks. We're having a difficult first season because I'm trying to play a bunch of younger players and I've got a lot of older players on the bench. Things should be looking up next season, though. I'm hoping to vault quickly back into contention against the rest of the Locked On hosts in our virtual league. It's an absolute blast, and all of our listeners should join in on the fun in their own league. Locked On Seahawks listeners get 100% real boat, a real boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On. That's all caps Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out today. You can download the game by visiting ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app store. That's ultimate-gm.com, ultimate football GM. Start your dynasty today. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Rob Rang. All right, let's get to Matchup Wednesday. Seahawks have a massive rematch coming up. The stakes couldn't be higher with the Rams coming to town. Bobby Wagner returning to Lumen Field for the first time as a Los Angeles Ram. He's looking for some revenge. Didn't get the win at home, but maybe he can help play spoiler for the Seahawks. Let's look at the matchups when the Seahawks are on the offensive side of the football. They were able to put up 27 points on the Rams defense last time these two teams played. And just like last time, thank goodness, no number 99. So we don't have to worry about Aaron Donald not going to be playing in this season finale, but that doesn't mean that there are not appetizing matchups here for when the Seahawks are on offense. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll take the low-hanging fruit here, Corbin. I, I think that the, the matchup that everybody is excited to see is the same matchup that everybody was excited to see last time, and that's DK Metcalf versus Jalen Ramsey. You know, I mean, we, we saw the way that the Seahawks were able to literally wrestle away the victory against the Rams just a couple of weeks ago with DK Metcalf catching that pass from Geno Smith. Beautiful throw, beautiful catch, despite beautiful coverage. And, and so to me, that is the easy matchup here to focus in on. Uh, certainly Tyler Lockett showing his in, incredible durability and toughness and coming back a week ago. Um, I think that we saw just what a huge difference that he makes to Seattle's offense. So I think that um, it, it's going to be more than just DK Metcalf versus Jalen Ramsey. But at the same time, that's really what I'm going to be watching from a talent evaluation standpoint. And you know how competitive Jalen Ramsey is. and He gave <laughs> up the game-winning touchdown to DK Metcalf in that last matchup at SoFi Stadium. So you know he's going to be chomping at the bit there. He wants to get some revenge against Metcalf. And these two, every time they get together, it seems like you're guaranteed a couple things. Ramsey's going to be running his mouth. Metcalf's going to be running his mouth. The refs are going to be running their mouths, probably throwing some flags at them. And there's going to be headbutting. And you can guarantee that there's going to be some big plays involving those two. The Seahawks are going to be hoping again that DK Metcalf is on the positive side of that. And he's had some pretty good success against Jalen Ramsey in his career. But this does feel like a game. When you look at the other corners in the Rams roster, this is a really young cornerback group. Players like Darian Kendrick that have been playing a lot of snaps. Seattle was able to take advantage of it last matchup by getting the football to Tyler Lockett. Now, he's dealing with a shin injury now. Did not practice on Wednesday Still a little bit sore coming out of that game on Sunday against the Jets. So you have to hope, giving him some rest, that he's going to be ready to go. The hand certainly doesn't seem to be an issue, but now you're dealing with the shin. If he's healthy, he had a big game last time. He almost might be a bigger key in this one going up against the Rams secondary just because you can expect Ramsey and Metcalf are going to be locked against each other. Other receivers are going to have to step up. Maybe Laquan Treadwell, too, had two really nice third-down conversions last week against the Jets. 
Maybe he has a big game in this one for the Seahawks as well. But I think that those receiving matchups are going to be key. And this is an interesting one. I didn't think I'd be throwing this name out here. I mean, Leonard Floyd, the other name I'll be talking about. Leonard Floyd has been a Seahawk killer, especially when Russell Wilson was the quarterback. Seemed like he was getting three sacks every single game against the Seahawks. And he's got eight sacks this season. He still had a solid year, not spectacular, but a solid season. But the one who actually gave the Seahawks fits, and I think they're going to have to watch out for him in this game too, because we don't know if Abraham Luke is going to be able to play. Maybe Stone Forsythe is out there again. Charles Cross has kind of had a little bit of a second-half slump, giving up 46 pressures to this point, according to Pro Football Focus. So Michael Hoyt, of all guys, is our feature player here, and he absolutely dominated both of Seattle's rookie tackles in that first matchup. He had two of his three-and-a-half sacks in that game. He had three quarterback hits. He had six pressures, two tackles for loss. If you're looking at the graphic, that's basically his season statistics. He got it in the one game against the Seahawks, and he's been their starter for the last six games. So he's going to get a chance to do that again, and you've got Leonard Floyd across from him. This is a huge game for Seattle's tackles. You have got to keep your quarterback clean because the interior pass rush without Aaron Donald, that should not be, in theory, as big of a factor, even with Seattle's struggles in the interior offensive line. It feels like the Rams' best chance to get after Geno Smith is with their edge-rushing guys or mixing in some exotic blitzes, and that's going to fall on the tackles a lot of this game. So they need to do a better job than they did on Sunday when both of the starting tackles gave up four pressures and there was also a sack mix in there. There was enough pressure to be concerned about. They need to be better this week. you got to hope Abe Lucas can play in this game and that he's healthier after sitting out last week. But I think that this is a critical matchup from the standpoint that, again, if the Rams are going to beat you defensively, I think without Aaron Donald and without a Sean Robinson, it's going to have to be those edge guys. And they were a problem in that first matchup when the Rams almost pulled the upset. Yeah, they absolutely were a problem. Um, you know, Leonard Floyd, as you said before, Corbin is just an absolutely, you know, a Seahawk killer has been for a long, long time. Um, but Hoyt is, is an interesting guy. Um, we, we talked about this after, um, you know, the, the Seahawks victory against the Rams and Hoyt had that career day. He really uses his hands very well. He's very powerful. He's quicker and has better straight line speed than you'd expect for a guy with his big frame. He's 6'4", 285 pounds. It's a big man. He can move. Um, but again, and kind of throw him off to the side. So he did a really nice job with his hands that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch because i expect that charles cross is going to be better prepared to handle that at the same time i'm not so sure that abe lucas is going to be quite as prepared to handle that because as you mentioned before he's obviously coming off of the injury may not be available and it's be fascinating if it's going to be stone Forsyth who would be starting at right tackle for the seahawks because at his height then he's automatically going to struggle a little bit with leverage. And so whether it be Leonard Floyd or whether it be Michael Hoyt, those are going to be very, very different types of players. They're going to be going up against Stone Forsythe. It's going to be, again, an important matchup for the Seahawks to win this game. It's going to be a critical evaluation of Stone for, so for excuse me, Stone Forsythe moving forward. So the Seahawks know what they have in, in the, the talented young player. But Again, I think that we can talk all we want about the pass rushers 
to me, we got to talk about Bobby Wagner here. Um, you know, I mean, just what he has been able to do um, for the Rams this season. I mean, I, I will call myself out. I, I thought that he was basically on a descent of his career. Corbin, if he gets 10 tackles against the Seahawks this weekend, and he's going to get 10 tackles, then he's going to set the Rams all-time single-season record for the most stops this year. I, I was critical of Wagner because he wasn't making enough big plays for the Seahawks the last couple of years, and he got paid. Don't get me wrong. But still, you look at the big plays. Talk about Michael Hoyt's career day. What about what Bobby Wagner did to the Seahawks the last time they played? So uh, to me, I think that whoever the Seattle is trying to match up against Wagner, whether it be running backs, whether it be tight ends, my goodness, try to keep them the heck away from Geno Smith if at all possible. Yeah, I'm looking at the tight end group, not just because of what we saw this past weekend, but the Rams, they're an interesting team. They're near the bottom of the league for receptions allowed to tight ends. They're near the bottom of the league in receiving yards allowed to tight ends. This has actually been a strong point for their defense until they get into the red zone. They have had a lot of issues giving up touchdowns to tight ends. And I look at the way the Seahawks were able to score two tight end touchdowns against the Jets defense, which quite frankly is a healthier unit, is a better unit overall Colby Parkinson and Noah Fan, and I'm going to include Tyler Mabry and Jacob Hollister in this discussion too. I would think that Mabry, with him now being on the 53-man roster, those three are going to be the tight ends. But they should be able to get the job done when the Seahawks advance into the red zone because the Rams have not shown this year that they can consistently cover tight ends in the red zone, giving up eight touchdowns. And we just saw what Colby Parkinson can do. I talked about it on yesterday's show. It feels like if there's something the Seahawks should regret offensively, it's not finding enough opportunities to get the football to a six foot seven, soft handed tight end like Colby Parkinson. This is an opponent that's got some young safeties out there. They've had some injuries back there. Bobby Wagner, as good as he's been this year, athletically I, I, and size wise, if he's up against Colby Parkinson, I like my odds in that matchup as long as I can use the size to my advantage. And I think Noah Fant, with his athleticism, his speed against Ernest Jones and Bobby Wagner, and the safeties that the Rams have. Those two should be able to do a lot of damage in this game. They've just got to be able to game plan and scheme to get the football to those guys. And I think that that can be a very advantageous matchup, even though the Rams have been pretty good, aside from the red zone, defending that position in coverage. You know, I 100% agree with you. And, you know, I my camera kind of blinked out for a second there when we were having the conversation about receivers. You mentioned uh, just quickly the Rams defensive backs and Darion Kendrick specifically. You know, this is a rookie around a 4-6. And so if Tyler Lockett is on the field uh, for the Seahawks, that is another matchup that I think could be really advantageous along with those tight ends, as you mentioned just a moment ago. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Seahawks do in this rematch because it's this way anytime NFC West foes play against each other a second time. When, when you have the familiarity that these teams do, you know you try not to get too creative as, in regards to trying to mix things up because you want to stick to yourself. But at the same time, there's got to be some wrinkles because of that familiarity, especially in a game of these stakes. I don't feel like the tight ends were used that much in that first matchup. So hopefully in this one, the Seahawks will be looking to find ways, especially if Tyler Lockett can't play or he's not 100%, get those tight ends the football, use them as your security blankets, move the chains, have some sustained drives like he did against the Jets. I think that's a really good recipe for success against a Rams defense that's missing some pieces but still has plenty of talent and is an aggressive, 
well-coached unit that can still give people some problems. All right, coming up next, we're going to switch gears to the Seahawks on defense coming off their most dominant performance of the season against the New York Jets. Now they get to face Baker Mayfield in a Rams uniform for the first time. We'll be looking at the Seahawks on defense against the Rams offense on Matchup Wednesday coming up next here on Locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As you get rolling in a new year, you need the right people on your team to help your small business click on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager, I've made plenty of hires over the years, and LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find the top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easier to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right candidates to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined as always by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there as always for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They've got the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available in the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Seahawks-Rams rematch. Critical stakes here, at least for the Seahawks. The Rams have a chance to play spoilers. The Seahawks are trying to sneak into the last wild card spot. Going to need a little help from the Detroit Lions as well. But first, and foremost, they have to win and move to 9-8 and eight on the season. The Rams don't have many of the pieces that they were expected to have on offense. Pretty much half of their offense is on injured reserve right now. It has been a brutal season for the 11-loss Rams. But one positive development for them is that the Carolina Panthers decided to release Baker Mayfield, and the Rams claimed him off waivers, and they at least have been a lot more competitive. They blew out the Broncos a couple weeks ago. This offense looks much better with a competent quarterback under center in Baker Mayfield. And so I think that we have to start our matchups here for the Seahawks on defense going up against a player that has killed them in the past. We didn't talk much about him in the first matchup because John Wolford doesn't throw to tight ends very much. But Tyler Higby has been a thorn in Seattle's side in the past, and he has had a reawakening since Baker Mayfield showed up a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I like the way that you uh, you know got to Tyler Higby in, in that conversation there because you you kind of gave Baker Mayfield his due and he deserves some due here. Uh, but Tyler Higby really has been a, a huge story for the Rams. Just his emergence, as you mentioned, since uh, that that Mayfield took over as the starter, um, really has been one of the big stories um, for the Rams. One of the bright spots. This is a talented tight end. I mean, he has great size. Can we talk? We talk 
talked before um, uh, about Kobe Parkinson at six seven and can move. Well, that's the same exact play, uh, size as um, as the Rams Higby, and so this is a pretty dynamic talent. We know that the Seahawks have been just burned over and over again uh, by tight ends, including this past week against the Jets when we talked about that that was going to be an issue for them, um, and we just don't know who is going to be starting at that strong safety position. It might be Ryan Neal, um, but it also could be the combination of Jonathan Abram and Tease Tabor that we saw a week ago against the Jets. And that may not be a bad thing, because as we talked about in yesterday's show, I, I was impressed for the most part with what I saw by Tabor and Abram made some splashy plays, but he also gave up some plays to the tight end. So to me, this is a very important matchup. I think the, the Cam Akers slowing him down is also important, but considering the fact that the Akers has struggled at times since Mayfield has been the starting quarterback, then I think that it's better to go with the hot hand and the hot hand certainly has been Higby. I'm laughing because Clint Hurt today in his press conference was talking about the missed interception opportunity for Jonathan Abram. And, and if it would have been a javelin thrower, it would have just pierced right through his chest as hard as that football hit him on the chest. Just grab the football. And obviously he was joking around a little bit, but uh, it was a real big missed opportunity for him, not known for his coverage skills and kind of showed there why that's the case. But it's leaning towards it's going to be him and Tease Tabor again, unless Ryan Neal can quickly turn the corner. There, were, there was some optimism there, but he did not practice on Wednesday. It just seems like this is an injury he can't quite get over the hump with, and the Seahawks are kind of hoping they can sneak into the playoffs and then get him back healthy for the wild card round. So we'll see what happens. This is truly a play to get in game, so I think Neal's going to do everything he can to get back. But those safeties are going to be pushed by Higby. All three of his touchdowns have come in the last three games that Baker Mayfield has started. He's got over 20 receptions in that time, and he also has, I believe, 132 receiving yards during that span as well. So he has been playing. John wasn't using when he replaced Matthew Stafford. So that is a critical matchup. And we talked about this on the other side of the ball, but – the Rams, when Matt Stafford was getting banged up, John Wolford was getting banged up, Baker Mayfield had to deal with this too. The offensive line has not been good with the loss of Andrew Whitworth and Joseph Noteboom going on injured reserve. The tackle group has really struggled. Rob Havenstein, for his level of play, has not been quite as good as usual. 38 pressure, six sacks allowed this year. And the Seahawks edge rushers, they're coming off a dominant game, particularly Daryl Taylor. And he's been doing this now for two or three weeks. He is really flying. I was joking about it the other day, but it does seem like I don't know what's been in the water or the Gatorade that he's drinking, but he's just playing at a different speed right now. And Rob Havenstein's not necessarily at his best going against elite explosive speed rushers. And on the other side, you've got Ty Nseki, who has actually been pretty solid for the Rams, did not play in the first match. It was banged up in that game, but he's given up less than 10 pressures this year and only two sacks. He's actually been a quality tackle at the same time. He's only started about half the games for the Rams this year. And the way that the Seahawks edge rush was humming last week, this is a prime opportunity. Again, this is not an elite team 
with an offensive line, particularly their tackles who struggled this year. So can you get similar production from Daryl Taylor getting after Baker Mayfield? Can you get Boy Mafe going maybe a little bit? Can Bruce Irvin in a limited action give you some punch off the edge? Lieutenant Uosu is dealing with a foot injury. Is he going to be healthy enough to be playing at his normal level? Those guys can really alter this game, particularly playing in front of the home crowd against a tackle group that has not been good most of this season. It's those guys who I think are going to win this game for the Seahawks. Um, I, I think that uh, you look at Havasini, he's a, he's a solid player, but his game is really about pushing people downhill. And if Seattle can slow down the Rams running game and truly go after Baker Mayfield, that's where he has struggled throughout his career. He gets rattled. Um, and Havenstein does not have the foot speed, as you mentioned, to deal with Daryl Taylor when Taylor is playing with this type of confidence um, and, and this type of snap anticipation. So I do think that Daryl Taylor is going to continue his kind of towards stretch that he's had here. I think it's five and a half sacks in his last five games. You extrapolate that over a season and you're in, a, you're in the Pro Bowl. Um, you know, and, and that's where we thought we all thought that Daryl Taylor was going to be able to provide Seattle. It's a bit later than we thought, but still, the point is, of course, the playoffs. And again, it's one of the things that we have seen historically throughout Pete Carroll's time here in Seattle is young players get better as you get a little bit closer to the playoffs. So to me, that's one of the reasons why I'm encouraged by this. I love the fact that you mentioned Uchenna Nuosu. Obviously, that like Tyler Lockett, if Nuosu is unable to play in this game or at least be most of what we've come to expect from him, that is a significant loss. But I do think that him being as competitive as he is going against the L.A. team and all of that, I do think that that's going to play a factor. I expect him to be productive. And Seki is a good athlete. He is not as powerful as Nuosu is, or Boye Mafe. So I think to expect some pressure from him as well. So again, I think that basically all of Seattle's edge rushers, assuming that Seattle's crowd is as excited as they should be with this being basically a playoff game, then I do think that Seattle's pass rush should be able to get home at least the four times that they got home against the Jets last week. And if they can do that, that is going to be a – Big check mark for them to win this football game because Baker Mayfield is as solid as he has played since the Rams got him. He is still a quarterback that's got some of that gunslinger mentality in him. And if you can get some pressure on him and force him into some bad decisions, he will throw the ball to double and triple coverage. He's done it throughout his NFL career. He did it when he was winning the Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma. He has always kind of had that in his DNA. And sometimes that aggressiveness really pays forward for him, and sometimes it doesn't. So if you can get that pass rush heated up, get some pressure on him really going to give the Seahawks a chance to frustrate a Rams offense that's going to be missing some key players you mentioned the run game I could talk about Van Jefferson some of the other receivers that the Rams have there's certainly some athletes on the outside even without Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson but it all goes back with the Seahawks defense they're coming off a really solid final three quarters defending the run against the New York Jets but you might remember Rob back in their previous matchup that Cam Akers got off to a really hot start against Seattle's run defense. The Rams actually went right down the field, primarily running the football with Cam Akers, and they punched the Seahawks in the face. They went up 7-0 on that opening drive down at SoFi Stadium, and that was really a wake-up call for the Seahawks. And I thought after that point, they did a decent job against Cam Akers. But I think there's another name we also have to include here, particularly Jordan Brooks now being done for the season. Tanner Muse expected to start in his place alongside Cody Barton. 
I expect that Sean McVay, as he does every time the Rams and the Seahawks get together, I don't know what it is. I feel like the Seahawks defend jet sweeps pretty well until they're playing the Los Angeles Rams. And then suddenly it's like they've never played football before. And last time these two teams met, it was Brandon Powell. That's the other thing. I feel like Sean McVay can just chuck in a random receiver or something and run jet sweeps against the Seahawks and hit big plays. And they did that several times in that first matchup. So I'm looking at the edge setters there, but I'm also looking at the linebackers. Can Tanner Muse and Cody Barton hunt down those jet sweeps from their linebacker spot in pursuit and help the edge setters to be able to limit gains, try to get stops in the line of scrimmage? So this isn't just about containing Cam Akers. That's obviously priority number one, stopping their run game. But you've also got to be able to stop that jet sweep, uh, jet motion game, because the Rams can do so many things off of that if it's working. They can mix in play action off it. They can do fake on the jet sweep, and then a pitch out to the running back. There's all kinds of dressing that they can do on plays out of one, two, three formations. You've got to be able to lock down that jet sweep game or it opens up the entire playbook for Sean McVay. Yeah, I love that you mentioned Brandon Powell and kind of just you know gave McVay his credit um, because he, he's almost like Kyle Shanahan uh, with the way that he is with backs. Um, you know, Sean McVay just does a terrific job of finding pass catchers um, and, and really taking advantage of what makes them very unique. Um, you know, whether that be Cam Akers, who again is uh, you know I'm most worried in this matchup about. As we have been basically all season, Seattle's just ability to slow down uh, interior downhill running game, um, and LA is a bunch of big guys up front, and um, and so that to me is where I do have some concerns about both Cody Barton and Tanner Muse is if those big guys are able to get through Seattle's defensive line, get to the linebackers, and then potentially be able to create some big running lanes where I love Cody Barton and Tanner Muse in this particular matchup against the Rams is their, their sideline to sideline speed and instincts. Um, the, the, the fact that, as you mentioned again, with those jet sweeps and things of that nature, you know, th those are the types of plays that were run an awful lot at Clemson. Tanner Muse is going to be very, very used to that kind of stuff. So I, I think that he is going to be better prepared for that then again, the downhill stuff. And I don't think that the Rams are as well suited for that downhill kind of running game that some of the other clubs that Seattle has faced here recently is. And so that's why I think that Seattle does have a nice, uh, is in a good position to be able to defend this Rams team and possibly be ready to party a little bit and watch a little bit of Sunday night football and see if they are going to be playing in week 19. Yeah, that's going to be the key. Can you get in a position where you can celebrate at the same time, keep your fingers crossed? Can the Detroit Lions get the job done? And, and slowing down Cam Akers and Brandon Powell, whoever they're running their jet sweeps with, that is going to be a major key to winning this football game. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, streaming five days a week on, on YouTube. You can also find us on Amazon. Again, make sure to just shout at Alexa and tell her you want to listen to Locked on Seahawks podcast. We're available five days a week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with a crossover Thursday edition. We'll be chatting with the Los Angeles Rams and taking a look at this rematch in week 18. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.